This podcast is intended for investment professional use only. The information in this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and should not be construed as a recommendation or investment advice. This information is not individualized and is not intended to serve as the primary or sole basis for investment decisions, as there may be other factors to consider. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Thinking Outside the Portfolio. I'm Mike Scarciati, and this is our quarterly conversation on market updates with Fidelity's Klaus Tewilt. Hi, Klaus. It's great to have you back. It's nice to be back, Mike. Klaus, in the last couple of podcasts, you and I have discussed that markets are sort of in a holding period, waiting to find out if the aggressive interest rate hiking policy by the Fed is breaking inflation or the economy first. Do you still view this as the central question? Yeah, Mike. Unfortunately, I think this is still the question the market is wrestling with. And it's still the most important one. And if you think about it, um, the S&P 500 has basically been in a trading range since July of last year. Um, It was really been range bound between 3,800 on the uh, lower end and 4,200 so far at the higher end. It's it's really all around this question about sort of the market is not going to show itself where it's going next until we know the answer to this question. So how would you handicap the race then? Well, unfortunately, I am leaning towards a recession now. I was sort of previously in the camp that that recession looks a little bit more likely. Now I'm almost certain we are going to recession. And I know there's sort of a sort of a rest uncertainty out there. But I think what's happening here is that sort of the banking crisis is almost sort of the last nail in the coffin here that really sort of pushes the economy into recession. Again, sort of nothing in this business is certain. It certainly, and I would hope it could go the other way, but the economy is basically getting hit by four different factors right now. And I think together they are going to cause some economic damage. And if I just briefly review those four factors here, the first one is that the Fed started to raise interest rates 12 months ago, and that had an immediate effect on the economy, and you can see break marks almost everywhere. The second factor is that a lot of the monetary tightening that the Fed started 12 months ago hasn't really hit the economy yet. When you listen to economists, they always talk about that monetary tightening works with a lag. And the best way to explain this lag is if you sort of think about sort of your personal situation and maybe sort of imagine uh, thinking of building a home last year in in the spring and sort of you as a family sort of made a decision you needed a home and you went to your bank and mortgage rates were very very cheap and sort of you you really sort of could break ground you hired architects construction companies you employed a lot of people over those those 12 months that actually finished your home now it's 12 months later that home is finished and sort of all the people who worked on your home are looking for the next home to be built but the decision for another family to build a home now is a lot more expensive because mortgage rates have increased by a lot and so because of that increase in mortgage rates i think a lot less families are going to decide to build a new home and this means that a lot of these economic actors who worked on building your home are going to be unemployed and it's the same decisions that sort of that your family has made that was easy 12 months ago, but it's a lot harder this year to build a home. That's also sort of what business owners are facing who who sometimes invest in things that 
that have a little bit of time to play out. And so that impact is just hitting the economy. The third one is the banking crisis with the foreclosure of Silicon Valley Bank. And it has really indicated that the regional banks who have been the engine of loan growth over the last three or four years have some balance sheet issues and that their deposits have left them and sort of their balance sheets have become quite weak because of that. And what you see there is that sort of because these regional banks have lost a lot of deposits, they cannot give us the same amount of loans they would have liked to and they would have planned maybe two months ago. And so it's estimated that because of that, loan growth is going to be actually negative by about 15% this year. And so you have three major things hitting this economy right now. And the fourth factor is that normally the Fed would see this and react to it and at least stop raising rates or maybe even lower rates given the looming weaknesses of the economy, but they can't because inflation is still too high. And I think those four factors, again, it's not certain, but I think they're going to lead us into a recession. Great. Yeah. And so with those four headwinds, you know, in recession being your base case, what can we expect? Is it fair uh, to say that the last two recessions are probably not the right comparison? Yeah, I think that's the right way to look at it. I mean, we, we really have probably sort of lost the right memory of what a recession really is. If you sort of think about the last two, and you alluded to this, Mike, it was a global pandemic caused by COVID. And the one before was a great financial crisis caused by sort of the housing markets. Both of them in its magnitude historically have been about a hundred year events, right? Sort of the last global pandemic was the Spanish flu. The last sort of real global financial crisis was a great depression. All of them happened a hundred years ago. Uh, hopefully in our lifetime, we have done our share of pandemics here and, and, and global depressions. Um, so these are really not the right examples. Well, let's hope so. Yes. If not for those two, then take us back in time and tell us what you think is a more likely traditional recession experience. So if you sort of think about sort of the garden variety recessions that we used to have, I think the last one was 2001. And that was sort of right after the internet bubble blowing up. And then there was one in the early 90s and was one in the late 80s. Sort of these are sort of the three that I'm sort of thinking about uh, relatively modern garden variety recessions. And in these recessions, GDP dropped between negative 0.4% and 2.5%. They lasted about two quarters. You normally have sort of an increase in the unemployment rate by about 2.5%. Housing starts are down meaningfully, about 8%. Auto sales are down meaningfully, about 13%. So you can sort of feel a sort of a general increase in unemployment and decrease in economic activity too. That sums up between half a percentage and down two and a half percent. So definitely challenging, but not overly scary. And I think that the, the question everyone wants to ask is, if you're an advisor, how do you think about preparing your clients and their portfolios for that type of an event? Yeah, and, and that is really sort of the question that there's going to be recess for some time. Let me say it this way. I feel fairly certain that we go into recession. I feel fairly certain that it would be one that is fairly mild, garden variety recession like we had, again, in the 90s and the early 2000s, lasting for about two quarters corporate profitability probably dropping between 10 and 15%. I think all of that, I feel very, very certain about that this is going to happen. Again, there is sort of a hope in the back of my mind, maybe we can avoid it and have a soft landing, but it, it looks we are going that way. And the bond market 
sort of is telling you that as well. And how the markets react to it, I have no idea. Normally, I sort of have a sense of sort of how big of a surprise that is to the market, but this one I don't, because you can make a fairly convincing argument to me that this is already priced in, that we had a big correction already. The market at the bottom was down negative 23%. We're still down around 10, let's just be with round numbers. This is a recession that we've been talking about for the last 9 to 12 months. If you speak to uh, most advisors, most professional investors, they're fairly certain we go into a recession. Um, and sort of, it, it feels like it's already priced there. And so if that recession would then happen, you could see the market sort of shrugging it off or maybe even reacting positively to it and say, oh, it's finally happening. <laughs> you can, it's finally happening. So that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And after we're coming through, this will be fine. Because the Fed is going to lower rates, inflation will be taken care of, and the early cycle and early returns are good. On the other hand, I mean, there could be a lot of investors out there who could be completely taken by surprise that we go into a recession here, that corporate profits will down, and that the market sells off. This is very, very possible as well. I don't really know how the markets are going to react to it. You could talk me into either one of them. And so I know this is not really helpful. But here is sort of the message that I would convey to my clients if I would be an advisor. I would emotionally prepare them for a recession. I would say, look, we're probably going to have a recession sort of starting, I don't know, in late summer, fall, sometime sort of this year. I would prepare them emotionally that this could lead. It's not definite. The empirical evidence is all over the board it could lead to more market volatility and maybe another leg down in the market. I would tell them that we will position your portfolios a little bit more defensively than we would normally do. But if, if I would be an advisor, I would not overdo the defensive positioning here. I, I wouldn't overdo it. And um, maybe this is your next question, Mike. I really would not go all in sort of in the bunker, if you will, and be completely buttoned up. So defensive, but don't overdo it. Yes. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Why not? Yeah. Normally, if you hear recession, you feel like uh, I should I should sort of almost get get out of equities and be just in cash and, and investment grade bonds. But I think there are four considerations here that lead me to believe to still be sort of constructive and only sort of would consider a marginal underweight here. So of course, this that obviously it can be wrong. And, and that we have a soft landing that is still very, very possible. I also mentioned that I could see it already priced in, that the market has sort of already sort of digested this recession and it's actually looking whenever it happens through it and actually turns around beforehand. I mentioned earlier also that there's not a whole lot of historical evidence that the market necessarily has to go go down during the recession. In a lot of times, the market actually goes down in late cycle and the recession is then okay. So that's a possibility as well. And the last one is probably the, the biggest one, which is that if you go very defensively, you have to get two trades right. You have to get out of the market at the right time and you have to get back into the market at the right time. And getting out of the market, I can sort of see how you manage that or could successfully manage that because sort of you see the dark clouds on the horizon and you'll get out. But getting back in is really, really, really difficult because if you look at sort of historically what bottoms first, what bottoms first is the equity market. 
you do not get a green light that everything is fine. You should get back into to the market because the market always reacts before everything else. The market bottoms before corporate profits. The market bottoms before the economy. So to get back in is very, very, very tricky. And in a lot of cases, the rally from the bottom has been very, very violent. And so if you are out and you, you miss the first months maybe of that rally, do you think the market is going to come back and it runs away from you? It's a very, very, I would say, dangerous situation where you just miss the move up. And I'm sure many of you have seen all the research that shows if you miss the best five, best 10 days in the markets, that can really be very, very difficult to overcome because there's so much juice in those those best days. And, and so I would be very, very careful with that move, trying to sort of time it in and out. And that leads me to more of a defensively oriented positioning, but not overdoing it. So in broad strokes, how would you think about portfolio construction in that sense? I don't know what everybody's benchmark is, but I would consider being underweight equities by, I don't know, 200, 300 basis points, maybe just just marginally. I would be very, very well diversified within equities. I've mean, talked about the trading range before that we are in since July of last year. But what's interesting is that the return profile you got from emerging and from IFA and from the U.S., was very, very different. So you got a lot of diversification just by by being in all of these three places. You also got diversification with all the nine style boxes. So I would be quite diversified there. If I if I sort of pick two areas that I like a little bit more than others, where I would have maybe a little bit more large cap growth in the US and emerging markets, emerging markets, I think China getting out of zero COVID situation is still a little bit underestimated by the market. I think it's a big deal for emerging. And large cap growth, I have the sense that these companies have already sort of prepared themselves more than others for a recession. Um, we, we are the day after Facebook had layoffs here. And so these large cap growth companies, they have done a lot of their homework already. And, and I think that should help them if we have a recession on the horizon here. Then two more points on sort of this in broad strokes. I, I've talked a lot about commodities here. I think they're a great diversifier as well. And again, sort of the the, the rationale there is that sort of they have this long-term supply and demand imbalances, where demand is rising and supply is not keeping up. And that's here to stay. But my biggest way to play defense is probably to extend duration on fixed income. There's a lot of money packed right now in sort of money market accounts, in short-term bonds. And what we know from history, what happens during recessions is that the yield curve that is inverted is steepening again, and that interest rates on the, on the short end are falling. And so, um, so if I would be an advisor, I would sort of use this historic um, sort of playbook, if you will, to... Um, take some money out of my money markets and short-term bonds and invest them sort of more into the intermediate seven, nine, ten years investment-grade bonds. And that has two benefits. The first benefit is that you lock in income for uh, for a lot longer than, than on the short term because you can lock in these interest rates for the duration of the bonds. Um, and, and secondly, um, they have historically provided diversification. I think at these interest levels, 60-40 works again, but for 60-40 to work, you need 
a little bit of duration and you need investment grade bonds. And so that is a good way to play defense. And if you just think about the most recent example during the Silicon Valley banking crisis, um, equities went down significantly, but investment grade mon- investment grade bonds were actually up, provided diversification. And so that's sort of the five ideas or five considerations for constructing a portfolio here. On my last one, I get a lot of questions about, did I miss the move to go long? The answer to this is you missed the best entry point. The best entry point was probably just before the banking crisis hit. But if you look at history, um, sort of how interest rates behave sort of around recessions, what we have found is that the 10-year yield falls before the recession, it falls through the recession, and it falls actually after the recession for a couple of quarters as well. So you missed maybe the best entry points from history. There should be quite a big drop still in front of us on yields. And and again, that should provide positive returns for you investing in medium-term investment-grade bonds. Great. As always, Close, thank you for your insights. And thanks to all of our listeners. I'm Mike Scarciati. Please join me for more episodes of Thinking Outside the Portfolio. For investment professional use only, information provided in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not a recommendation to take any particular action or any action at all, nor an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or services presented. It is not investment advice. Fidelity does not provide legal or tax advice. Before making any investment decisions, you should consult with your own professional advisors and take into account all the particular facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in the products and services mentioned in these materials because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, and or servicing of these products or services, including fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Information presented herein is for illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views expressed are as of April 2023, based on the information available at that time and may change based on market or other conditions. The opinions provided are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. Investment decisions should be based on an individual's own goals, time horizon, and tolerance for risk. Nothing in this content should be considered as legal or tax advice, and you're encouraged to consult your own lawyer, accountant, or other advisor before making any financial decisions. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure profit or guarantee against loss. Stock markets, especially foreign markets, are volatile and can decline significantly in response to adverse issuer, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Foreign securities are subject to interest rate, currency exchange rate, economic, and political risks, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. The risks are particularly significant for funds that focus on a single country or region. In general, the bond market is volatile, and fixed income securities carry interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall, and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer-term securities. 
securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation, credit, and default risks for both issuers and counterparties. The commodities industry can be significantly affected by commodity prices, world events, import controls, worldwide competition, government regulations, and economic conditions. Because of its narrow focus, sector investing tends to be more volatile than diversifying across many sectors and companies. The financial industries are subject to extensive government regulation, can be subject to relatively rapid change due to increasingly blurred distinctions between service segments, and can be significantly affected by availability and cost of capital funds, changes in interest rates, the rate of corporate and consumer debt defaults, and price competition. The stocks mentioned here are not necessarily holdings invested in by FMR LLC. References to specific companies should not be construed as a recommendation or investment advice. The statements and opinions are subject to change at any time, based on market and other conditions. S&P 500 is a registered service mark of Standard & Poor's Financial Services LLC. Fidelity Institutional FI provides investment products through Fidelity Distributors Company LLC, clearing custody or other brokerage services through National Financial Services LLC, or Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC, members NYSE, SIPC. Reference number 1083861.1.0.